I would like to invite you to a lemon party. The following program is a proud member of the Palaver family of podcasts. Check out all the shows over at palaver.com. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. You're listening to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Welcome to the GGTMC Feedback Spectacular. <laughs> yes. We've never done one of these, but uh, this is the best way to catch up with the mountain of feedback we have accumulated over the past, um, well, I don't know, five or six months, whatever it's been now. So It's insane it's been that long when you stop and think about it. And and, and I mean this respectfully. It, it's one of those things where the people kind of, I think, stopped feedbacking because they thought well these guys are already pretty fucking backed up yeah so it's, yeah. it's good that it trickled only from the standpoint of being able to get it all cleared off and then we can get into a regular rhythm and people can call and write in as much as they want again yes indeed because that's what did happen a lot of this feedback is from way back and then yeah. we just get little voicemails or emails here and there people were even starting to ask us in emails are you guys even reading emails anymore yeah <laughs> like uh, yeah we are we just haven't got to them in a while so so, but we are today. We're going, to, we're going to try to catch up with everything today. So we'll see what we got. And, and we are, like we said, trying to come up with a monthly thing where once a month, we, instead of doing two films, we do one film and all of our feedback. So yeah. it will be regular. Something we can do, yeah, to kind of make it make it happen. That way we don't uh, fall behind anymore. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so um, let's get into what we've been watching. Since we don't have anything to talk about what we're going to be covering today, let's get into what we've been watching. So I defer to you, and I'll have a warm, delicious cup of coffee in a ceramic mug. Yeah, no glass mugs for you. We know that. Yeah, no glass mugs, bruh. <laughs> um, had a decent week. Still, of course, cram, cram, cram. It's going to be nice to get back to some <laughs> polyester and afros and mustaches and and whatnot. I mean, I, I, I don't. I think one of the reasons you and I, you know, get along so well is that we like to diversify our portfolio, as it were. Yes. And uh, to stay in the year 2011, as much as there's some great film, man, I'll be dying to get back into the 70s and 60s and, and everything else. Yeah, no, it's exciting when you go into it wanting to cram, and then after you do it for about two or three weeks, it starts to be like a chore, and it's like, you know, I want to get back to watching random, you know, this random shit like vampire hookers yeah or like 80s Filipino stuff or <laughs> phantom raiders stuff like that yes indeed <laughs> um, so I had a pretty solid week though uh, started off my week with watching a film that I'm pretty confident won't be in your top 30 of the year okay. uh, that is of course Justin Lin's Fast Five well I mean it probably won't be because I won't see it but uh... <laughs> Okay, so I'm a, everyone knows I'm a big fan of this series, and you're not. I was wondering. When, I was wondering when you were going to see this thing. 
saving it so I could unwrap it on Christmas present because I unwrapped my pants and watched it. Uh, Sweet. You know, in reverence. Um, it's pretty good. It's uh, it's not my favorite of the series, but the location's great. The the car stuff, I was talking to Brian Higgins last night, the hammy of Hemicus fame. The car stuff's fantastic. I mean, some of it is a little too CG, but uh, there is some fantastic stuff, and he really shoots action well. There's a couple scenes that almost involves some parkour-like stuff with some close-quarter uh, hand-to-hand combat between The Rock and Vin Diesel and some other people in the like the favelas or the like the I don't know that's the term the the ghettos of Brazil, and it's pretty fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it, you know, it some of it is absurd beyond even the threshold of what I expect from a Fast and the Furious film, right? And that and that's really saying something, right? Almost like but, a like a transported two type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So just beyond absurd, or like a team at times. Okay, you know, just beyond absurd. But nonetheless, I enjoyed it. I think it's. It's what a summer blockbuster popcorn film should be. Um, not perfect, but, you know, fun and dumb. Uh, next up, I watched something that wasn't fun or dumb. Um, <laughs> I was actually a bit bit paranoid to watch it because I didn't know if it was going to turn me even more paranoid than I already am, and that was Contagion. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm planning on watching that this week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. It's certainly not Soderbergh's best, but, you know, the fact that he can toggle between... Stuff like the girlfriend experience in this, you know, we've often said we really admire. Um, I think it's a good Hollywood film. It's got a fantastic fucking cast. Um, Reminded me that Marianne Cotillard is one of my favorite uh, actresses in the world. Mm -hmm. And I find her really beautiful. I mean, she's not the most conventionally beautiful woman, but she's she's beautiful and one fucking hell of an actress. She's the main reason why I'll debate that uh, Ridley Scott's A Good Year is a good film. Mm, I didn't see that because I'm not. It didn't look like my. Oh, is that the one with the, the vineyard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a vineyard. Just Russell Crowe and a vineyard. Very simple movie, but she was in it, and she really, really kind of brings it alive. And actually, she was in Midnight in Paris too. She's very good in that. But I like oh. her. A lot. I like her a lot too. So I'm there with. Well, you. what's great is it has her and it has Kate Winslet, man, and on know. the female side. There so. we go, brother. Yeah, and it's got Jude Law, a guy people kind of dismissed as being a pretty boy, but I think you'll agree is a really fantastic actor. He's a great actor, and he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit unfortunate. It's not a bit. It's very unfortunate about his hairline. But yes, <laughs> you know, he doesn't need his hair to be a leading man in our in the GGTMC's eyes. Yeah, it's true. So but you, when we when we look back at his filmography, when you see everything from Road to Perdition to uh, you know to even this, he's he's pretty good in this. He's a shit stirring kind of blogger who gets gets some fame. So oh, it's a good film. Uh, I don't know if it'll be on my top thirty, but it's it's definitely worth a look. Okay. Uh, next up, I watched one that I know you really dug. And I've been kind of waiting to drop it with my wife because I knew she'd lit. She, I was going to say lick it. Wow, that's Freudian. Oh boy, uh, and that's of course Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> did, you get, did you get your little Warrior out there? Yeah, I did, man. Tom Hardy, <laughs> Joe, was it Joel Edgerton, Nolte. Well, the jokes keep coming. The Tom Hardy came out there. Yeah, my little Tom, uh, my little Bronson came out, <laughs> bald and violent. Um, and mustachioed, oddly enough. Oh wow. <laughs> Um, it, this is a really good film, man. It it hits a lot of obvious beats, and at t- times I think a little too obvious for its own good. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, man, I'll tell you, there's a couple scenes with uh, specifically for me with Nolte. Well, not even just with Nolte, with all three of the leads that that are really fantastic, man. The one that that jumps to mind is is one scene when Nolte's outside pleading with Joel Edgerton. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah that he yeah. was brothers back in town and. And a, a mixture of kind of shame and, and regret and and 
know. And that yeah, that one scene with Hardy and Nolte at the slot machines, just fucking brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's one of those situations where I agree with you. It hits all the same beats, but I think it's one of those situations where you get really good actors with yeah. really standard material, and they kind of elevate it. They totally do because if this was in lesser hands, it'd be pretty lame. And yeah. you get three really good actors, and it's always exciting to see an old school guy like Nolte. Mm-hmm. Um, and see him get some scenes with Hardy. His heart, the bulk of his scenes are with Hardy. So it's really fascinating. And I, I'm kind of licking my chops. Saying, okay, man, these two are about to roll together. And it's great to see how they're going to play off each other yeah, in a yeah, scene. Yeah. Just to kind of see how it elevates the, the moment. So oh, it's a good film. I'm sure it'll it'll pop up uh, somewhere on our lists. Um, next up was one I'd watched. I've been sitting on for a while. I, my wife got me a, that gift, the, uh, the Film Movement series of films. Uh, like a six month uh, run of them and I was sitting on most of them so what I, I'd kind of been wanting to watch the most was a Turkish one called Before Your Eyes um, it's about uh, some Turkish Kurdish children whose parents get assassinated while they're in the car with them oh, okay yeah and, I, saw you, I saw you put this up I, I wondered what it was yeah and what it's the, the, the sister's maybe 12 and then the boy's well, maybe she's 10 or 11 I don't know and the boy's probably a year or two younger or maybe a year younger. It's sort of like Coriata's Nobody Knows or any of those films where you have children that have been abandoned and are trying to kind of um, survive with their own means. Okay. Um, and it has another wrinkle because while they're kind of panhandling in the streets, they happen upon the guy that killed their parents. Oh. So it's a really, a really good fucking film. And the, the girl in this, she's, I don't know, 10 years old, I think, uh, in real life, puts in one hell of a performance. Nice. Like one of the best children performances I've seen in a long time. So yeah, it's, it's a really good film, and it takes me to a part of the world that I'm not really all that familiar with, uh, you know, the Kurdish part of, of Turkey. Um, I would definitely recommend this film. Um, next up was Karen Cries on the Bus, which is another film movement film. Uh, it's a Spanish film. It's about a woman who, you know, she's 37. Her husband's a dickhead, so she's, she has to contemplate whether to leave him. Uh, or and to kind of and leave sort of the nest and, and you know she's kind of given up a lot of her independence and individuality um, and she lives in a boarding house so she can kind of do that and kind of scramble to get by or she can stay in the confines of comfort but misery and just about her struggle you know and it's uh, it's it's a pretty fascinating very much a female centric film and the plight of the the female of that age so you know it was a good film not uh, it won't be on my top thirty but you know definitely worth a watch right. Um, then I watched Kill List, which uh, with Ben Wheatley film. Um, his first film, Down Terrace, had kind of you know underwhelmed me. I remember cramming it last year. Literally, I hit stop on the film like to, like as I was about to call you on Skype to do our top ten show. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that, and I and I'm, I'm aware of uh, Wheatley, but I haven't seen any of his films yet. Yeah, we, it, Down Terrace was all right. It didn't really knock me out, but Uncool Cat really promotes this guy, so I you know I listen. And uh, this one was at TIFF. It was really buzzed and, you know, sort of a genre hybrid. Um, and it's a good film. I'm glad to say, or I'm happy to say that uh, I've seen improvement over Down Terrace. You know, he has very much a British kitchen sinky kind of vibe mixed in with with some other, you know, genres and, and styles and stuff. So, no, it was a good film. Um, then just a couple more. Uh, the Weird World of Blowfly. <laughs> Great title. Uh, I, I haven't yeah. heard of that. I haven't heard of that at all. 
it's a documentary about uh, a musician. Gosh, I can't remember his name now. Really, really fantastic musician. Uh, he wrote a lot of the Casey and the Sunshine Band stuff. African-American gentleman, just really fucking talented musician, um, whose alter ego was one of these like party record, really, really X-rated party record kind of guys. Um, in fact, I posted a song on the Sylvan Gold page um, that he sung, and I said, this is Zom's song. It's... it's uh, it's sung to the tune of raindrops keep falling on my head, and it's uh, it's basically talking about uh, you know baby keeps farting on my head like he's sixty nine and with this broad, and she keeps farting in his face and uh, nice. It's pretty crass some of the stuff, but he's he, he's sort of like a mix of like you know Rudy Ray Moore party record and Parliament uh, George Clinton Parliament like in terms of his theatrics, mm-hmm. so. You know, <clears throat> I, this was a documentary I heard about a while ago, and I was really excited to see. <clears throat> but I feel like the the filmmakers let down the subject. Like I feel like in in really skilled hands, this could have been an awesome documentary. You know, especially because I think this guy is is so talented. But it seems like his career has been kind of plagued with really bad decisions. Like he sold off his soul ca- his whole catalog of music a few years ago because of uh, debts and taxes and stuff. Yeah. Um. And it just seems like it's really the story of someone who, really talented, but a lot of fucking bad decisions along the way. And, you know, it comes off more as a promotional thing for Blowfly, like as far as where he's at now, than a really good examination of him. Right, so, right. So, you know, oh, worth a watch, but nothing earth shattering. And finally, I watched one that I know you're a big fan of, and the Brin, of course, is a big fan of, and that is the Peter Mullen tour de force that is Tyrannosaur. Tyrannosaurus, yes. <clears throat> ah, yes, Tyrannosaurus, that's right. And I just realized I left a glass of fucking dark juice right beside my TV. Let me go get that before the kids wake up. Yes. And I'm <laughs> fucked. Yes. So, hang on. Or my wife will turn into a fucking Tyrannosaurus. Yes. Hang on. It's killing time here until William comes back. Ra-da-da-da. Da, 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 I don't even know what the tune is. There we go. Oh fuck, that's good. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. I said the same thing when I took my first sip of coffee this morning. I was like, oh fuck, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's this grape apple pineapple medley, as they say. Oh uh, yes, uh, it's quite delicious. So, but uh, Tyrannosaur, um, <clears throat> very good film. Very, uh, uh, very uplifting. Very uplifting. Um, as always, Eddie Marsden plays the knight, the white knight. Yes. <laughs> right from the get-go, you understand this movie is a movie for dog lovers. It is a movie for dog lovers, as lovers of <laughs> of underprivileged children. <laughs> um, it's hard. There's a spot in this film that's fucking harsh. <laughs> yeah, it's a Debbie Downer, but it's really good. It's it's Peter Patty Constantine, one of our favorite actors. Uh, really great eye. I'm very excited to see what else he does film-wise. Peter Mullen is really fucking good in it. Um, you had said you'd prefer because I put you on the spot. I said, "What do you prefer, performance-wise, him in this or Bardem?" And I still prefer Bardem in Beautiful, but man, Mullen is fucking fantastic uh, in this film. It's uh, yeah, I mean, just and I love Bardem in Beautiful. I really do. Uh, but uh, man, the anger that comes out of Mullen in this film is is some of the best anger I've ever seen portrayed in film. Yeah, he's really like it's just like right away, man. It just grabs you and. He does that that British anger thing of like rubbing his head on the face of the person he wants to fuck with. Yes, 
that's very much a British thing, I find. Yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with that. But it, it's, it, it, it's just, I think what I like about his anger in this film is it's like he's constantly wrestling with the guilt that he has oh, for losing, losing his, his temper. Yeah. Like he knows it's getting ready to happen. And, yeah. you know, of course, that scene in the beginning there, uh, that's a perfect example. He loses his shit, does something awful. And then starts to cry. You know, it's it's just it's it's one of those things that if you ever deal with anger as you get older, <laughs> and and I still lose my shit every now and then, uh, not in front of my son or my wife anymore, but every now and then I'll lose my cool. And I'm a pretty tame headed guy, but you know I'll, I'll lose it every now and then, and I just feel awful after I do. I just like it's you know I've gotten to the age where it's like I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to lose my shit anymore. It's very very true. In the film, you see it almost immediately the regret in his face, but in real life, yeah, I, I totally agree. I I'm pretty calm too. There's times I blow my fucking stack. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my wife, not really on my kids. I mean, you know, obviously I, I don't, you know, go right. too crazy. But there's right. times where I'm really booming, yelling at, at uh, you know, at William for something. And like immediately I'm just like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> you just know. immediately feel so awful, man. And the, 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 those things stick with you. Like, you'll remember them months later. I know. I know. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a good film. I'm sure it'll come up on both our lists on the top 30, so. I'm sure it will. As a matter of fact, it? I guarantee you it'll come up in my top 30. I don't know where, but I can guarantee you that it'll be in the top 30. This I guarantee. Yeah. I guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I should have done a French Mifune there. <laughs> All right. Um, I only watched uh, four films this week. Uh, I thought I'd squeeze in a lot because we didn't have any assignments, as in reviews to watch. But, you know, it's one of those things where you think that's going to happen and that doesn't happen. Yeah, of course. Uh, but what's, what's weird is three of the four films I watch, I'll start with the letter B. And that was not a that was not a planned thing, but kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like I was going alphabetical order or something. But three of the four were all for uh, cramming. Uh, Beautiful Boy. This is an interesting right. film. Um, kind of swept under the radar. Uh, Michael Sheen. Uh, what's her name? Maria Bello. Mm-hmm. Um, a film about how parents deal with a son who shoots up a college and then kills himself. You know, it's in my roadmap too to see. Yeah, it's a you know, it's it's a difficult difficult subject. <laughs> uh, as a parent now it really was a different viewing i think as a as a non-parent i think some people are probably going to be like eh, well you know it's really well acted and stuff but as a parent it, it really hit me in moments um you know there's moments where they watch videos and stuff you know kid was little you know innocence of the young child you know they grow up to be whatever they grow up to be so mm-hmm. i don't know it, it, it's, there's some powerful moments i might be talking about the end of the year i might not don't know yet still well, kind you know of processing that one you know what's going to be interesting is to see that and another one I'm going to see before you're on that's very similar yeah. subject-wise, and that's We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yeah, yeah. I've heard so, good things about We Need to Talk About Kevin. More more on the uh, this the Tilda Swinton side, which you know I'm trying to look for that too because you know I'm a big fan. But uh, this one I've heard the story's better, but that one the performances are better. So I don't know, but I can tell you this: the performances by Michael Sheen and, Piper, and uh, Maria Bello. I always want to get her confused with Piper Perabo. I don't know why. Yeah, the name—they're both kind of honey blondes. Weren't they both in Coyote Ugly? I don't know. I can't. Oh, remember. they might have. God, what a terrible '90s film that is. <laughs> yeah, no. oh. uh, but it. Uh, but uh, they're both very good in it, and it's very interesting. Maria Bello, she's a very interesting actor. She doesn't take glamour projects. You know, she just she doesn't, despite being beautiful. Yeah, she just takes. It seems like she really wants to challenge herself as an actress. So, even though I don't always think she hits, I at least admire her audacity in trying for uh, 
different stuff, you know. She could go for the standard wife in an action movie stuff, but she doesn't seem to want to do that, which I'm fine with. Yeah, she works with good directors, you know, Cronenberg and mm-hmm. just a lot of interesting people. And I do think she's one of the more interesting. She's almost like like a, a good-looking character actress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got a lot of character in her face. She doesn't have, you know, she's not afraid to show the flaws of, like, her body or her, you know, she'll go without makeup, without fixing her hair. You know, so, so I, I like that. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Um, she just feels very real. And the Michael, yeah. Michael Sheen, it should be said, I mean, this guy, I've always liked him, but he's always been, you know, kind of here and there. But, man, he, he's, he is a really good actor. He really is. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a really solid actor. So, very interesting. Uh, I watched A Better Life. This is a film about uh, uh, an immigrant, uh, illegal immigrant in Los Angeles. He wants a, a better life, quote-unquote, for his son. Um, he's had a rough life, obviously. Oh, is this the the Hispanic one where he's he's, he's like a gardener or something? Yeah, in Lo- yeah. yeah, I know this one. I was gonna. I think this is on my roadmap to see yeah. too. This is Chris White's film, which he's an interesting filmmaker. He started American Pie and stuff, but he's made some other good stuff. He's kind of broke away from his his uh, brother. I guess they don't work together anymore. But uh, this is a pretty good film, man. Especially if you're again a father, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a pretty solid film. And there's a moment in this film that I was just like. The furious nature of my temper came out because there's a moment where the film kind of manipulates you into thinking one thing and something happens and you're like, those motherfuckers. <laughs> you really get into it, you know. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's flawed, uh, but good. Definitely worth a watch. I don't know if it's going to be on my top 30 or not, but it's a strong contender to get in there. Let's put it that way. Nice. Um, I watched uh, an older film, The Strawberry Statement. This is from, uh, I think, 1970. It's a counterculture film. Uh, can't remember the director's name off the top of my head. Uh, not somebody really very well-known. Um, but um, I just remember he made a tarantula movie for TV, but I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> the tarantula movie had Sheriff Lobo in it. Or Claude, nice. Claude Atkins. But uh, it's a good film. Bruce Davison, um, Kim Darby, uh, Bug Court. It's oh, wow. Very underseen. It's a CDB type film. I don't think it's available anywhere, so you might have to get it through CDB and stuff. Derby uh, and Budcourt, two uh, two actors who really are kind of frozen in time a lot of people's mind's eye um, for their roles when they were younger. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. A Darby especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, definitely worth a watch. It's a counterculture film. Those will be warned. It is a little experimental, but I think uh, people would dig it. Uh, and last, uh, this is the last film I watched of this year. Which was, uh, or last year, I should say now, uh, was Beginners. This is the Mike Mills film with uh, Christopher Plummer, Ewan McGregor, and uh, Melanie Laurent. <laughs> oh, nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see this one. This was the one I was cramming anyway because I heard some good things, especially about Plummer's performance. But what, what I really came away with was how great McGregor, again, you know, an actor who can go from commercial stuff back to well-acted stuff. He, he really is one of those actors who gets away with a lot, like, you know, we, we always joke around about Johnny Depp getting away with a lot. Uh, McGregor does get away with a lot of fucking turds. And, but, but I think on the other side, people don't give him the praise he deserves. He, he, if he wanted to be, or maybe if he made better decisions or whatever his inclination was, if he worked in a lot more you know, really good high-profile, not even high-profile, but quality films, we would talk about him more, man. He is a fucking great actor. Yeah, and he's very, very good. And he's very, very good in this film. Him and Melanie were in just... It's probably one of my favorite love stories of the year, their, their story. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then Christopher Plummer is just, you know, he's Christopher Plummer. I mean, you know, he's 
known for a lot of things, but you know he's he's always had an ease in front of the camera that I've always enjoyed, mm-hmm. and uh, he's very very good in the film. The film is slightly flawed, slightly experimental, different, but uh, also very very good and really quite wonderful in a lot of ways. Could put a smile on my face, so. Definitely a recommend, but uh, it is a lighthearted fair. Well, maybe not super lighthearted, but it's lighthearted fair in a lot of Not Tyrannosaur lighthearted. No, no. Not nearly as bubblegum as Tyrannosaur. Yes. <laughs> Which, as you know after watching it, I mean, that, that movie is pure, pure pink flavor, brah. Well, I was going to try to do a triple bill yesterday of Tyrannosaur... Snowtown and Cold Fish, and I thought I don't want to leave. I don't want to, no. you know, start 2012 wanting to slip my wrists. Jesus, I still haven't. I still haven't watched Cold Fish, but I have seen Snowtown, and as dark as Tyrannosaur is, Snowtown's fucking Snow- even each year. Yeah, it might be even darker, and that's saying Yeesh. something. Yikes! Yeah, now that you've seen Tyrannosaur, that's that's saying something. Yeah, it is. All right, so that is everything we've watched. We're still cramming for year end. I, th- I think I heard that the Oscars are February the 26th. So we have exactly one, two, three, four. Well, you still got about six or seven weeks. So we got a pretty good time frame to cram this year. That's good because I got about 30 more films to see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do too. I keep scratching them off, but then somebody will say something. I'll be like, bastards. Got to write that one down. Yeah, fuck. And now you're being year end, you know. Different sites and film critics put out their list. It's like, oh fuck, I gotta see that one and yeah, yeah. this. And you know, I really, you know, there's a handful I really want to see. I don't know if I'm gonna get to like, uh, like the raid, the artist. I'm desperate to fucking see. Uh, Take oh. shelter. I'm desperate to see. Yeah, all, all three of those are on my list. <laughs> yeah, I really want to fucking see those. I want to try to get in some some Asian shit, man. Like, fuck, I feel like I'm, I'm not giving any love to Asia, but I don't know, man. I feel like uh, Hong Kong and South Korea really hasn't put out much to to. Got our panties in a bunch about this year, unless someone knows otherwise. But yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. gonna try to see the Yellow Sea before you're in, which is a South Korean film, and, and the new Choi Hawk, uh, Flying Swords of Dragon Gate. Oh yes, yes. He seems to be back into that world quite a bit. The uh, yeah, kind of fantasy world. Yeah, it's good to have him back. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very good to have him back because he's a very talented filmmaker. All right. Uh, normally we would take a break, but this is our feedback spectacular, as I said earlier. So I just want to start cramming it out and just jumping on it. And and this stuff has been one of the things about doing a podcast is is that you love the communication you have with your with your listeners. And when you don't do feedback for a long time, you start to feel like in a, in a weird way. At least I do. You start to feel like you're letting them down a little bit. So I've been wanting to Agreed. get this monkey off my back for some time. <laughs> yes, so it'll be good to hit it. So what do you want to do? You want to start with some emails? You want to start with voicemails? What do you want uh, we, we might as well clip off the uh, emails here. All right, go ahead. Uh, you want to read first? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll read first, and I'll get into my coffee. Um, there's nothing There's nothing worse than lamenting that you've waited a little too long to start your coffee. Yes, exactly. And it's a little, little warm, not, not hot. Um, so the first one is from Linda, and uh, Linda says, Dear Sammy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been listening to this show for some time and love the both of you to pieces. But I have to take issue with your claims on show 148 about Michael York. <laughs> Clearly, and then just for the record, Sammy said he's as dull as dishwater, basically. Uh, if I may paraphrase. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> clearly, you've not seen the Richard Lester three and four Musketeers films, or you would have bitten your own tongue out for dissing the York. I accept your apology in advance, Linda. I'll leave this one to you, my friend. Yes, this one's aimed right at me. Uh, yes. The little review we did, I did with Scott for the, uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Now, it should be said, I do like Michael York in some things. But I do find him just a little stiff. 
you know, some people just find certain actors stiff. And Michael York, he can be very stiff for me sometimes. And uh, I really don't have any argument. I do like the Richard Lester Musketeer films. I do like him in those. Uh, but, man, he was stiff in Dialing of Dr. Moreau. I'm sorry, but he was just... Uh, he does not cut. I think Scott agreed. But I, don't, I don't want those Scott under. He might not have agreed. I don't have to go back and listen to it. But yeah, yeah. Like, hey, Scott, come to be on our show, and I'll make sure you're criticized for it. Make sure you get thrown under the bus when you least expect that. <laughs> uh, but he's. He, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'll stick to it. He's not my favorite actor. I know you like him a lot in Logan's Run, obviously, oh, yeah. and, and some other things. Uh, I, I can. I can agree to it. I mean. No, I'm throwing myself on the bus. I, I agree to a, a lesser extent than you. I, I don't have as much of a problem, but I could see where you would say that. Yeah. He looks great. I think he's got a great face. He, he's almost like a British... Um, um, is it Michael Beck? Yeah, yeah, like a Michael Beck. I'm reminding me of Michael Beck. It's a good call right there. Yeah. But I will apologize, uh, Miss Linda, who, uh, you know, I think she's a new listener. Oh, she's been listening for a long time. She's never talked to us before. Well, she's not new anymore. <laughs> yeah, she's not new anymore. <laughs> But uh, no, I apologize. You know, if, if you love him, you love him. But uh, at the same time, you know, as Will always says, vanilla chocolate. Yeah. I just find Mr. York to be slightly more vanilla than I care for. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll let you drink some coffee here. I'll switch off and I'll read Thank one you. here. Uh, this one's from Kevin. We got a lot of emails from people that normally don't contact us over these last couple months. So it's, and we, it's, here we had to fuck it up by ignoring them. Yeah, no, it's pretty great, though. Thanks for that. Uh, he says, hello, gentlemen. I've been listening to this for some time now, and I really enjoy your show. With October closing in, this is how long ago this was, I thought they would make a com- com- couple recommendations for you to cover on your show. Demons from 85 and Demons 2, The Nightmare Returns from 86, both directed by Lamberto Baba and produced by Dario Argento. Cinematography is fantastic, and the soundtracks to both films are absolutely great. Pure 80s bliss. In the first film, be sure to look out for Tony the Pimp, who is played by Bobby Rhodes, who is so damn cool. The second film stars a very young Asia Argento, or Aja, depending on how you want to say it. I always say Asia. Uh, And Bobby Rhodes shows back up in the second film as a physical trainer. Part two will make you realize that there's nothing funnier than a bunch of frightened muscle men being chased down by demons. I'm sure you may well be well aware of these films, but if not, then here is a couple films to get you in the Halloween horror film mood. I think you will greatly enjoy them. Keep up the great work on your show. Uh, you want to reply to this, Will? Because actually, Demons and Demons 2, that's probably going to come up at some point. Yeah, we're both big fans. I, there, I would say Demons 1, although I like Demons 2 a lot. Demons 1 might be in my top ten favorite horror films. I fucking love it. Uh, I know you're a big fan, and you and I, I say a while ago, man, if these things ever get a blue release, we're going to jerk off on the air. <laughs> you know, here we are. We found out a few weeks ago that they're going to get a blue release, I think through Arrow. I could be wrong. Um, so we're going to save those for a nice blue double deuce. Yes. And uh, we're going to jerk off in high def on the air. So <laughs> those are coming, uh, pun intended. Yes, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love Bobby Rhodes in, uh, in the first one, man. He's, yeah. He's, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and every time I see him, I immediately think of demons. <laughs> yeah, I immediately want to show an African-American lady my strong pimp hand. Yes. Now he, so. I love the demons films as well. Uh, so, you know, I can't wait to, to cover them. And I don't, of course, I'm the same way. I love one more than two, but I do think two is pretty special in some ways. So Yeah, the apartment building. And I think I remember, because it's been years since I've seen it, I think Ajay Argento's face, like... Mm, melts a little bit when she uh, transforms, but yeah. she's got this shrieking kind of... Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And I'm a bit of a Lamberto Bava apologist anyway, so... We yeah. And we've only covered one of his films anyhow, right? When it was uh, Blast Fighter? Uh, I think that might be it, man. Yeah. 
I think it's what it's called, right? Blast Fighter? Yeah. With, with, uh, with Jake Tiger Sharp. Yeah, that's right. Tiger and then the Eastman in the lumberjack attire. Who calls him a wet fart? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like every time Eastman's on the show, he's got to drop the wet fart. Wet farter, the wiener. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Kevin. You put your wiener too many in some places, there'll be a lot of wet farts. But yeah, look for uh, Demon's coverage at some point. Yes. Um, you want me to get into the next one? Yeah, sure, unless you want to do a voicemail. It's up to you. Uh, whatever you want, man. Whatever you want. <clears throat> let's, let's mix it up a little bit. we got nothing but time on these. Let's go here. Yes. Let's get this one going here. There we go. I hear something. Uh, Big Willie and Samurai. How are you guys doing? This is Leather Jacket Buddha. It's been a long time. I've fallen behind a little bit on the episodes, but I'm always listening. I've been preparing for the uh, the little Leather Jacket Buddha, who's coming in five weeks. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just want to call and let you guys know that uh, you guys are so awesome to your fans. You always give them a, a chance to chime in, and you... You take their opinions to heart. You care about what they got to say. I mean, you guys got the most hardcore fans, and you take damn good care of them. So I got to say, out of all the podcasts, you guys really know how to take care of your audience. Um, I have to admit, though, I've, I have to say B-O-O-H-O-O, because I've always been jealous how, like, you let your fans, like, like fill in. Like when Samurai is gone or Big Willie, and I've never been asked. But you know what? <laughs> Besides that, you guys are awesome. I've always been listening. Never missed a show. I have fallen back a little bit, a couple weeks, but not too bad. So I guess I have missed a couple shows. But anyway, you guys take care. I don't want to make this too long. Uh, hope you guys are doing awesome. I uh, hope families are doing awesome. And uh, you take care. See you guys. All right. Thanks a ton there. And that's uh, Don Leather Jacket Buddha, good friend of the show, been a friend of the show forever, back in the Cinema Diabolica days. He oh, was, yeah. He was a uh, part of that community with us. And uh, uh, let me address first foremost, yes, we are very good to our fans. I think, uh, you know, I take pride in that. I know you do as well. Absolutely. We don't even really see them as fans. We see them as part of the community, which is something that we wanted to create from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if you like, I said, if you remember our Facebook group, you really see that kind of shines through. We everybody has equal say in our world. We nobody, and you're not going to ever get shot down in our world. I mean, people make some pretty bold statements, including me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, nobody ever, you know, you don't ever see any arguments that aren't that aren't uh, good hearted anyway. It's passion. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, Don. Most of our, I'll be honest with you, most of the time when we have our fans come in and help us, it's really like last minute, and it's just whoever the first, and I. <laughs> It sounds awful, but it's kind of true sometimes. It's really just like the first person we can get a hold of sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, nothing's really planned, but uh, we would love to have Don on. So, Oh, definitely. Please hit us up. We'll get a show, uh, and you know, we'll do a two-film show with you. We'd love to have you on. I know you got the new baby now. So you Which, might not congratulations, have very adorable. Yes, very adorable. I've been liking a lot of pictures of Don's lately. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, if you can work it out, we'd love to have you on. Yeah, I I second that wholeheartedly. Just a a, a fine, fine gentleman in our community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I had. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add to it. I mean, (laughs) Uh, no, just uh, I'll repeat myself. A fine gentleman. Um, Do you want me to do an email? You want to do the voicemail? Uh, No, you can go ahead. uh, Yeah, let's go ahead and get the emails because the emails seem to take, seem to eat up more of our time than the uh, voicemails do. 
Okay, speaking of gentlemen, our favorite... Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a nice word to describe someone to rhyme with Albuquerque. <laughs> if he was mean, I could say our favorite jerky in Albuquerque, but I don't know. Uh, and that, of course, is our good friend Dusty. Uh, Dusty says, the side of Shatner I never wanted to see. Oh. Hello, gents. It's been months since I sent in any feedback. Don't feel bad, Dusty. It's been months since we've read any feedback. Uh, right now, I'm functioning on very little sleep and too much coffee, so this might be a little loopy in spots. First of all, I had an experience that reminded me of your show. A couple weeks ago, I was dog-tired and trolling through Netflix Instant. Came across the Roger Corman opus, Big Bad Mama. This has always been on my list of exploitation movies to see for, so I wearily pressed play. Movie is fairly solid, trashy, and short, 80 minutes or so. Angie Dickinson, Tom Skerritt, and Shatner are all featured pretty heavily. The fact that they're in, they're in this bargain basement trash movie is a little confusing to me. They must have needed the work. Now, about halfway through this, uh, there was a scene unlike any other. Shatner is shown backdooring Angie Dickinson. <laughs> Obviously, this got me by surprise. It's Captain Kirk, for God's sake. And I can halfway see his pubes. Now, granted, I could have lived my life in full without knowing the scene existed. However, I'm now sort of grateful because now I feel like some kind of survivor. Is this why people like us watch genre cinema? To have their limits tested? I know that's relatively tame compared to the stuff you guys watch for the show. Uh, I had some delayed feedback for the Mother's Day episode. I've only seen Splendor in the Grass once, but it's been haunting me for over a decade. Not sure if I could even watch it again. It was pretty upsetting in a gorgeous way, but still. Warren Beatty a great actor? I would be tempted to say yes. It's only if only because I'm a talk taking into account the sixties and seventies output. He was completely different in Shampoo, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and Bonnie and Clyde. There are all variations on the con man, but different aspects of him. I also love the fact that he di- uh, dies in almost every movie or gets crushed in some way. Does he have a martyr complex? McCabe and Mrs. Miller would get a ten for me. I'll be get a chance to talk about it on the show sometime. Uh, one more last note. I watched Maniac recently, which I remember being reviewed on the show. Was that a slasher movie or a deeply personal art flick? There was something truly sad about the ending and personal conviction showing throughout. Joe Spinell seemed really invested in his performance. and was actually really good. I didn't feel like he was camping it up or anything. Well, that's about it. So let's be looking for a job right now. Find out mine is ending at the end of the year. You can tell me the link this email that the job hunt doesn't interest much right now. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. It's always great to hear the show. Thanks for continuing to do it. Talk again soon. Dusty. All right. And, of course, Dusty writes for the uh, Playground of Doom blog, correct? Yes. Yes. So, is Warren Beatty a great actor? Uh, he's a great movie star. And a very good actor. Yeah. And a very good actor. I don't know if he's a great actor. I think he's a. I think he's an important movie star. I think some act For me, some actors I characterize as movie stars who... I give a pass because they just they have a certain special something on the screen, yep. and then uh, and, not, and not to argue. I mean, I do love him in Bonnie and Clyde. I love him in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I even like him in Shampoo. I mean, in the seventies, yeah, in the seventies he was he was rocking. Oh yeah, but uh, he might have a martyr complex. <laughs> yeah, and also That's I should great. also add that. Uh, yeah, no, I love I love Kirk back door and Angie Dixon. <laughs> I wish I could have backed with Angie Dickinson. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Maniac is great basically because of Spinell, I would say. Because I think if you put somebody else in that performance and if it was just a standard slasher, it'd just be a, it'd be a good slasher, but it wouldn't be the film it is. I think it is a special film because of Spinell, probably. It has a heartbreaking, troubled humanity to it that Spinell really exudes. And, mm-hmm. yep. um, McCabe Missed Miller is on my side of the road map. Road map. Road map. It has road been map. for quite some time. 
boom bap. And, uh, and I hope that since the end of the year has come, that you have another job. Yes. If not, good luck in searching for one, and hopefully you'll find one soon. Yes. Nothing worse than that feeling. No. <laughs> but, yeah, it's always good to hear from good old Dusty. All right. Um, I think I'll read another email here because we got mm-hmm. some, some nice long emails when we get these. Make sure we get these in the in the can. Uh, this is from Giles over in England. Giles is a long-time friend of the show. Uh, and a great dude that finally got to meet at TIFF during the um, – it was probably the highlight of the – Livid screening was getting to meet, getting to meet Giles while I was fucking hunched over like a hunchback with my bad back at the time. <laughs> like Klaus Kinski and a few dollars more. <laughs> yeah, I felt like such a dickhead, man. I'm hobbling up around. just. Ugh. And Jake, when I met Jake, I was just, again, hunchbacked and like a fucking asshole, man. <laughs> All right. I just saw your post in the Sylvan Go group. You should probably just go ahead and have another sour cream and bacon potato chip bag and another peanut butter Snickers. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's why I switched it up to tangerines, yogurt, and a uh, granola bar this morning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I felt so disgusting. Sweet. All right. Uh, I have those moments, too, where I eat, and I'm just like, what the hell did I just do to myself? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so terrible because you're just like, you're, you're like the Tasmanian Devil. You want to tear through something, and then the minute you do. I, yeah, I did the OTC uh, live year <laughs> intro with Mike White and uh, them last week, and we were talking about bad foods, and we started talking about deep-fried Twinkies and Snicker bars, and I was like, oh, I love those. And I remember Demise in the chat room said, how are you still alive, Sammy? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Well, I was pounding M&Ms while we were doing the show. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, especially as I get older, I'm more cognizant of the fact that I'm eating terrible stuff. Like, um, I was laughing at Loaf on a recent Silver Gold episode. He's like, I'm eating a handful of wal- walnuts chased by a handful of shredded cheese. <laughs> He's like, how am I still alive? Or I'm gonna, I, I want to be dead at 40. <laughs> It's just that's such a guy thing, man. Like, yeah. oh, there's yeah. times where I'll just, you know what it's like, man. It's like this is. I may have said this on the air. Eating really great tasting, or not great tasting, eating really shitty for us food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always liken it to fucking the most repulsive fat chick. And I, <laughs> I like big women. Okay, so <laughs> just hear me out. The most disgusting, rotten, just ugly, fat fucking pig you can find, because at the time, man. You're loving it, but the minute you finish, you are just filled with regret. <laughs> and then she calls you four weeks later and says, "You're going to be a dad." Oh God! <laughs> no, that's why you. That's why you. You carry Saran wrap everywhere with you. Yes. Might want to double wrap that one. Anyway, yeah. uh, no, no, I, I agree. I think being a male, I think probably the only thing that saves men from dying young is typically women if they get married because. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. If I was still single, I'd still eat like a fucking, like a fucking, just like a vacuum cleaner. Just whatever's in front of me wouldn't matter. Yeah. This is a reckless nature to be in a male when it comes to food or anything that uh, satisfies those uh, deep recesses of your brain. And oh, yeah. you, know, you can argue that good, good, bad food, you know, makes you feel as good as good bad sex. So yeah, it's true, man. Yeah. And I'm always like, I wish, I wish bad food was good for me. I'd eat okay. so much of it. <laughs> All right, let me get into this email while I put sour cream on this Milky Way I'm eating. All right, here we go. Uh, Giles uh, says, gents, fabulous show as always. 150, holy hell. That is a whole heap of, <laughs> I can't say, say is, is it erudite? Er, erudite film chat? Erudite? Oh, yeah, I, I, erudite. That's the way I've always pronounced it. I could yeah. be wrong, and we may be wrong, but that's okay. We're, anyway, yeah. he says we're all richer for it. Wanted to write in to clarify a point you make regarding a moment in deep red. I feel <clears> very, <throat> very dear to me. And an all-time top ten favorite. <clears throat> 
During the phone call, Hemmings makes in the awkward as hell corner of the espresso favoring cafe. <laughs> that jet of steam is in fact a vital component to the scene and to the densely layered nature of the narrative as a whole. As in a few instances throughout the film, the moment Hemmings is called ingeniously prefigures the death of one of the characters. Ah, uh, yes. Like the children's nursery rhymes that are central to the narrative, the steam that scalds Hemmings rhymes with the more disturbing fate that befalls the writer, Amanda Rigetti, who is scalded to death in her bathroom. Now, guys, we've said before in the past that we don't spoil films, but we don't also censor our feedback. So, of course, most people, I think, at this point have seen Deep Red, but... And if you haven't, you can tune out for about one minute. Uh, or you probably won't remember because you're not, not going to watch this tomorrow. And Jalo usually, usually everyone dies for the most part except for one person. Yes, yes. Elsewhere in the film, Hemmings references a dream about hitting piano keys so hard they break apart. He says that his dream represents knocking out someone's teeth and what happens to our good Jewish doctor friend. The image Hemmings relays of chaotically bashing teeth like piano keys is later echoed in the doctor's delightfully grisly fate. I guess the connection Argento is making is that Hemmings is blessed, cursed, with an acute awareness of and connection to the crimes being committed following the vital clue he witnesses inside the apartment in the opening scenes. His continuing metaphorical alignment with each murder before it occurs only strengthens his position within the story and makes him as eerily psychic as Madame Helga in the theater at the start. He's an outsider who is suddenly and uncomprehendingly pulled into the maelstrom of these horrific murders but he's unable to wrench himself from the urge to uncover the truth and so finds himself inextricably following this parade of death until only he can stop it. It makes him a juicy suspect for the eagle-eyed viewer as well. As such, he's emblematic of the perfect, initially uncomprehending breed of giallo hero, of which so Argento created so many. That's part of the reason why I love Deep Red so much. Keep up the good times. Looking forward to the next installment as ever, and great to finally meet Will in Toronto last month. All the best, all the best, all the best, all the best. Oh, are, you, are you reading in your Mike Tyson voice now? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I was licking a pigeon. Uh, <laughs> You're getting in trouble now. That's illegal from what I hear. <laughs> Not in Kentucky. <laughs> all the best, Giles. And, uh, yeah, it must be said, that that's a well-composed... Uh, email man talk about some welcome i mean i read it and I, I read it out loud and i sound smarter for reading it <laughs> yeah i know i know giles is a man who can clearly spit knowledge so we were, we were just chewing the fat you know he works in film it should be said uh, i'll leave it at that but um he very keen eye and and the probably i don't know how many times i've seen deep red uh four to eight let's say um I had never really made that connection, and I think it, it's testament to Argento's genius with that film. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that he forced those things more densely plotted, uh, more well-written then than we would give credit for on the surface. Yeah, I think that uh, also, though, when when a film is in your top ten, you, you, you find those things more because obviously it's a favorite. Like, I could, mm-hmm. I could sit here and argue probably the... Uh, the uh, the greatness that is uh, you know Walkabout by Nicholas Rogan you know because I love that film so much but some people see it and they're like what the fuck so you know but at the same time I agree with him I never I never see these things and now that he said it it makes me appreciate it that much more <clears throat> on a different note did you know there is a reanimator porn spoof called the Repenetrator <laughs> uh, I'm surprised Herbert I- Breast <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't know. <laughs> Actually, I'm ashamed. Yeah, me too. 
All right, let's and, and, the, and the Inglorious Bastards one is called Inglorious Bitches. <laughs> well, of course. Yes. <laughs> Some, sometimes they need to get a little bit more creative with that. So. Wow. <laughs> All right, let's play, let's play a voicemail here. Get one from uh, Cody. Let's go. Hey, Jen, this is Cody. Kind of quiet uh, one. I've just done the thing that I seem to do most summers where I lose my iPod at the beginning of the summer and then finally recover it at the end of the summer and catch up on like two or three months' worth of shows in an unhealthily small period of time. Uh, but I'm glad to finally be, be all caught up. I love having a nothing but backlog of GGDMC for me to listen to. Um, and uh, I guess two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, whenever it doesn't really matter, I watched uh, One Man Justice, which I was just so, so, so happy with. Um, I really loved the the opening with uh, uh, the running on these rocks before he finally sits down with his little girl and uh, tells like, this child of divorce that, they're, that, she, that her parents will for sure get back together before he just marvels at this ladybug crawling around his hand and goes, whoa. I just thought, <laughs> I thought of like Karloff in the, uh, uh, in Frankenstein screwing around that little girl and playing flowers <laughs> before he drowns her. I thought for a sec we might see Boz pitch the girl off the side of the cliff. Um, yeah, just really a stellar R-rated Walker, Texas Ranger movie. Um, Oh, um, I forgot the name of the caller who generally does this, but uh, he, uh, his, him calling in and telling wrestling stories. Uh, oh, James. That uh, in high school, yes. a couple years back, my debate teacher was a sibling of, um, what's his name? Uh, Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster. N- nice. Uh, the Red Rooster. Who, uh, apparently. <laughs> Was voted a few times as having the worst gimmick in the history of WWF, which I don't think is entirely accurate, but it's, uh, oh, it's pretty bad. not a good one. But uh, yeah, I thought that's interesting. She told us that uh, he was second in line, apparently, for the Mr. Perfect gimmick that uh, Hennig would eventually get. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, loving the show. Uh, bye, guys. All right, little uh, trivia there. Did not know that. Didn't know he was. Fuck, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Really cool what if story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Red Rooster, that's an unfortunate gimmick. <laughs> very, very unfortunate. <laughs> that, was, that was a bad one. <laughs> that's the equivalent of in Battle Royale, drawing the envelope that gives you the frying pan as a weapon. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'd rather have the frying pan than the net, though. So. Yeah. We do have, you know, you do have some things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get another voicemail going here. Let's see, we got one from uh, Demise here. Here we go. First off, listening to these voicemails, um, one of these days I'm going to send you guys a fax. Just because it says if I want to send a fax, I can send it now. Go so ahead, I'm going to try that just to see what happens. I imagine you guys probably don't have a fax, so it would be pointless. But anyways, uh, I was listening to the, the Island of Dr. Moreau or, or um, shoot, what's the name of this one? It's the different one. So anyways, I was listening to that, and you guys were talking about it, and and you were talking about sounds and stuff, and I just want to say real quick that, you know, I love, werewolves are probably my favorite horror movie character, and I love all the werewolf movies and stuff, but that movie just, the first time I saw it, like the island of Dr. Moreau and stuff, so maybe I need to see this one instead. Uh, just totally, I was just like, bleh, hated it. I was bored to death, you know, it was nothing exciting about it. And then you guys were talking about sounds, and I actually posted to uh, 
outside the cinema that they should do a top six list of movie sounds because and it's all been spurred by stuff I've been hearing on your guys' show lately that some movies just have those sounds that you can't forget or those sounds that have a, an incredible effect on you when you're listening to them and uh, howling is howling sounds with howling in them movies with howling in them there we go um, definitely have that effect quite often it's one of the things I love about American Wolf in London is, is you hear the wolf then you hear the wolf closer, you know, and you really get that sense like, oh, crap, we're in trouble now. And then there's other movies like uh, Watch the Birds again just the other day. And I will never forget the echoey sound that, that was in that. And I know it was kind of meant to be out in that foggy bay area, but it just had a, a massive effect. So anyways, that's all I'm going to say. I just think uh, I think uh, it's definitely an area of movies that hasn't really been touched on by any of the podcasts I listened to lately. And uh, it would be an interesting conversation to have, as you know, what what movie sound or moment in the movie where the sound just really did you in or, or really had you going or something like that. I think it'd be a really neat conversation. So, anyways, talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. The Wonderful Demise. Always good to hear from her. Uh, movie sounds. That's a tough one off the top of my head, but I will say her example of uh, American Werewolf in London is pretty great because I love that howl. It's almost like a human scream mixed with a wolf howl. I'll tell you two sounds that I think the most iconic sound may be in films. Sound, not score. The firing up of a chainsaw. Yes, yes. That always makes me on, it puts me on edge every time. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I always think of the film. And one of my favorite sound effects that shows up my, up my spine is, let me see if I can, if I can do this here, sore throat and all. Let's see if you guess what it is. Is that the uh, the death rattle, eh? Yeah, man. From uh, the uh, the grudge. Yeah, man. Yeah, nice. No, that is a good sound. That that's a very ominous sound. I think that sound is very important, especially to horror important. films. Especially to horror films, but in a lot of films, it's pretty great. And uh, what I like about sound is that uh, it kind of it kind of gives you like that moment where you know some shit's going to go down. Uh, again, I'll use her example of American War of London, where you know, like for once, he's in the my favorite one of my favorite scenes in that film is the uh, the tube the tube scene, the subway scene, uh, mm-hmm. where he hears the howl down the subway tunnel, and it's like, what the fuck was that? Oh yeah, <laughs> and at that moment, you know, uh, maybe I need to get the fuck out of here. You know, yeah. and I'm sure we've all had moments in our life. I've been in, you know, I've played uh, games where you basically manhunt, they called it, but you know, games like tag in the woods at night behind my house when I was growing up. And we'd all be sitting out there laughing, and all of a sudden we'd hear a weird noise, and it could probably just be anything like a possum. But, you know, you're in the middle of the woods in the dark. It's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I know. You know, so sounds can be truly, truly even more effective sometimes than the actual. Visuals. Yeah, the visuals. So it's a it's an underused thing. It's under it's under talked about. And, um, you know, it's just not a glamorous thing, but it's very important to films in general. And, yeah, I agree. Chainsaws. uh just any kind of thing. Of course, nails on the chalkboard drive me nuts. So, anything like that. Any screeching noises. All right. Let's get back into our emails. Who, who's I guess I'm up. Uh, uh, I'm getting, are you up? I don't know if you're up or I'm up. Who's up? Well, I could be a lying man and tell you to read another one, but you read Giles, so I will uh, yeah, read. read. One. one from Maurice? Yes, Maurice, who apparently... Uh, he was on the film spotting boards, and he's got a podcast. Uh, love that album. Yeah. Uh, love that album podcast. What's called? Yeah, he's an audiophile as well as a cinephile. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and 
apparently he was on the film spotting board somewhat recently and he said he didn't really dig Jewel as a gym and they told him he was wrong and basically an idiot so oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say again when I said on our boards fuck those guys and yeah. you know you have your opinion and you're entitled to it yeah yeah I agree and that's, that's again that's why our community I believe is so much more welcoming because I, I don't like the Fast Five films but I'll never berate you for it no, and I mean, I can talk about my Bertolucci's and my Antonioni's alongside my Matei's and my Lenzi's. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, that's really a true cinephile, someone who doesn't thumb their nose. Just like a true foodie will make bacon the hot food of the year because they know <laughs> that the, the benefits of bacon as far as uh, taste goes and otherwise. Yes. So, fuck those guys, man, if they want to talk shit on you for not liking some, you know... Just fucking, you know, jerk off French film, man. Yeah, and that sounds awful. And I, that wasn't quite the way I meant to word it, but <laughs> I meant in terms of the way a lot of uh, film students masturbate talking about the French New Wave. That's yeah. more what I meant to say. It's, it's I like I like Truffaut a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's just film snobbery is all it is. That's what yeah, it film snobbery, man. Fuck film snobbery. Yeah, it's, you know, <clears throat> it's exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, anyway, now that I've ranted a little bit, uh, Maurice, hello, gentlemen of the GGTMC. Uh, I've only taken the plunge into listening to your podcast after numerous references in the Silver and Gold podcast, as well as Paleo Cinema. Looks like I came on board at the right time as the top of your website. The first episode featured your take on Profondo Rosso. Deep Red was a first a film of first for me. First time I watched a film I was underage for. First Argento film, first Giallo. Not that I watched too many since then. First film where the score stayed in my head long after leaving the cinema. First saw Deep Red in 78 with my uncle. How he got my 13-year-old self into the cinema, I'll never know. <laughs> um, most of my thoughts at the time of the film still hold, except for some of the dialogue. It's a weak point. I had no idea that a film could be so explicitly violent. The reds in the film are vivid and look brilliant. Something I remember thinking when watching Peter Greenway's The Cook, The Thief, The Wife, and Her, her, her Lover. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Until that age, I'd only seen kid-friendly horror films. This was a rude shock, and I found it terrifying. As I mentioned, the score, the main theme anyway, by Goblin, stayed in my head for years. I was thrilled when I finally got to see it again on DVD many years later and found the score to be just as effective. I never found their scores for other Argento films anywhere near as satisfying. That staccato piano playing in the death scenes really made those scenes all the more terrifying and far away from the scores I was used to that just served as cues and as great music. We really enjoyed listening to your take on the film. I'm one of the two folks left on the planet that doesn't have a Blu-ray player yet, but your description makes it sound like I need to get one for this film alone. Thanks for such a great episode. I look forward to hearing more. Cheers, Maurice. All right. Thanks, Maurice. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's a great Blu-ray. I can yeah. tell you that. And yeah, the score is iconic, isn't it? I mean, at this point, really... People, some people might even know the score before they've actually seen the film. Mm-hmm. Some people have heard it, probably. Uh, podcasts have used it. A lot of people have used it over the years. And uh, it's probably even more iconic in some ways than the film. So, Which is kind of saying something, because for some, it's Argento's best or second best film. Yeah, that's usually where it falls, one or two. Yeah, or one, one A, one B. Yep. yep, that's usually where it is. And I think we know what the other one is, so I'm not even going to bring yes. it up. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if you don't know, then you should perhaps turn in your GGD TMC library card. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, okay. Uh, let's, let's see. Let's let, let me ask you, how many more voicemails do we have? Uh, do you really want to know that? <laughs> well, only because we have about 45 minutes. And I'm just trying to figure so I don't blather on too long now that I'm caffeine, properly caffeinated. 
How about 26? We have 26 more voicemails. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to shut up now, and we're going to tro- we're going to roll through. Right, here we go. We've got one from uh, Emily. Hey, Jens, it's Emily. Uh, just wanted to call in and say, as always, I've been enjoying the show. I haven't called in a while, but I know you don't know that. We haven't gotten to feedback. But I really enjoyed the Ninth Configuration episode. Oh, we know. I haven't seen that movie, and I really want to. I don't think it's on Netflix. I'm not sure if there is even a, um, a current DVD release of it. Uh, I mostly want to see it because, as I believe you guys know, of my extreme adoration for The Exorcist 3. And something that you, you guys hit on, I guess with the Ninth Configuration, and I think it applies to The Exorcist 3 as well, is um, his dialogue is so good. And I feel like with Exorcist 3 in particular, you can tell that it's a novelist speaking, but it doesn't sound overly writerly. Um, and you take, for example, like the first kill in that film, um, you you never you see it at the very end, I think. I think they kind of do show you a little bit of the aftermath. But it's described just by George Scott, and it is so horrible. Like, you are terrified of, of what's going on, and just from dialogue. And I think that's such a feat, and it definitely says that the man can do that. So um, that's that. Love yes. Bye. <laughs> the great Emily, yeah. She says, we don't know. The way she's not been sending feedback because we haven't got to it. Nope, that's not true. We know all the feedback that comes in, dear. <laughs> Yes. Uh, no, she should definitely check out Ninth Configuration. I got the I saw Ninth Configuration off Netflix, not instant watch, but off the disc. So they should have a disc there. It's a uh, pretty bare bones, except for a commentary and the transfer is terrible. But uh, it should be there, unless of course they don't have it anymore. But yeah, I'd like to hear her take on Ninth Configuration. It'd be interesting. Oh, very much so. You know, she's someone who's you know wordsmith, and it'd be interesting to see. Absolutely. So let us know when you've seen it, and let us know when you've seen the beefcake that is steve sandor indeed let me see here i'm gonna i got a voicemail this morning from an old friend of the show through skype and i want to play it before i forget mm-hmm. because otherwise i will forget because i don't have it in my voicemail folder so here we go sure see if you can hear it wow i was just uh playing around with skype because i haven't done it in a couple of years I can't Hi, hear buddy. anything. How you doing, Rick? You don't hear it? Good no. to hear from you. Oh, wait. <laughs> okay. Good to hear from me. Hang on. Let me yeah, see. It doesn't sound any better, does it? <laughs> Sorry. It's recording. I could hang up now. I but, could, but I just feel like... Uh, well, I don't hear anything, dude. Waste your time. I think it's because it's coming through Skype. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Got that going for you. <laughs> or me. I'll, I'll play or, it in a second. I'll tell you what it is in a second. <laughs> just hang on. It's, it's it's not a lot. I like pickles. <laughs> All right, that was essentially that was essentially Jay. He called me. I had said something about we missed Jay's feedback, and uh, basically he said he was just messing around with Skype and he hadn't done it for about a year. And uh, then toward the end, he just says he likes pickles. So, so do I. Yeah, I know. I do too. So hey, we're all in the same boat with the pickles. So, but uh, yeah. So, just wanted to get that played because he did go through the effort. So, I just wanted to get that played. You'll, you'll hear it when you when you listen back to the show. It's basically him just fucking around with Skype. Is all it is. <laughs> Glad to hear his voice. I love him. He's a good guy, a very opinionated man, but a passionate and loyal listener. Exactly. All right, let's just keep the voicemail train going for a little while. You want from Jake here? Hey guys, this is 
Jake Nicolaj, huge. I'm just this one's just gonna be real quick. I'm listening to your latest episode with rituals and propondoros. So um, <laughs> we got a lot of feedback. Yeah, on I was uh, I was listening to Will's little uh, capsule review of Cat People, and just as a suggestion. Um, you might want to do yourself a favor, Will, and whenever you're talking about Natasha Kinski, you might not want to refer to it as just Kinski, and you may not want to say such provocative things as loving Kinski's feathered hair, because if I'm not paying full attention, and I just kind of, like, jump in, you're filling me with some awfully bizarre fucking images. Nice. Speaking of clouds hey. just sitting there sprayed out on a fine deep red leather couch trying to seduce me so yeah yeah that's all I got god I just creeped myself out I'll talk to you guys later bye alright so yes yeah we might want to put the Natasha in front of there yes I think we do want to yeah I was just thinking about it. It's kind of disgusting. But, uh, yeah, you know. Very. All right. I want to keep going with the voicemails here since we have more voicemails than we do emails. <laughs> here we go. One from uh, Justin here. Hey, guys. It's the Cinemascus. Justin Overholds are here. Uh, I'm actually going to call in in regards to Bryn when he, uh, making a comment about Netflix when he was on the Jungle the Revenger episode. And just want to say I agree with him wholeheartedly. I, I really don't get what people are complaining about over Netflix, uh, for starters, now they have less to complain about because it was just announced that the Quickster deal has been canceled. But I, I just don't get it. Uh, the price increase, it's not that much higher. You still get a huge bundle. I still say, even with the current high price rank, that if you do both the DVD and the Instant, you're still getting a steal for the amount of content. But if you just, you're like me and just use Instant, there's enough on there to watch. My, most people complain about not having to watch. My problem is I have too much to watch. I I spend hours yes. finding something to watch, not because I can't find something to watch, because I got to decide. All right, which of these hundreds of titles that's in my instant queue do I actually want to sit down and watch tonight? That's my problem. Like uh, the only people I really see complaining are the ones that he's right. You know, want to see the new Transformers movie right away? Which if you want to when it comes out on DVD, go rent it at a red box for a dollar, or you know, it's really not that hard to obtain. It's not that hard. It's I don't know, it just it bothers me because it's like there's a bunch of stuff on there, and I'm actually glad they don't have newer stuff more. I'm glad they have more older. Because when I originally got Netflix, most of my DVD queue, and obviously Instant queue, was a lot of older content, and still is, a lot of older movies that I couldn't easily get a hold of, which is nice because Netflix even has a few movies that don't, you know, even have a DVD release yet or have a rare DVD release, and they didn't have a copy of. Like, I know that for a while, it's not a good film, but they actually had the video dead off there for a while, and that was something I always wanted to see, but they didn't, I don't think that ever had a DVD release, but they ended up streaming. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, so I got to watch that. So, yeah, I, I really don't see the complaints on Netflix. I still think it's a tremendous service, and, what, I'm paying 10 bucks a month for instant streaming? I'm happier than I could be. All right, guys, keep up the good work. Bye. All right, yeah, he makes a lot of valid points there. Uh, I think the only people complaining are the people that just want to see, like, they want they want new releases, you know. They want day of, if uh, Contagion comes out this week, that's what they want on Netflix Instant Watch, which, that's not reality. But if you're a cinephile, uh, Netflix is a, is a goldmine. And, of course, you guys are just now finding that out. I think over the next year or so, you guys will see it even more. Oh, I will not complain. And I have to admit, respectfully to those of our friends that did complain, 
I thought it was I didn't I thought it was needless to because I mean for the, the amount you're paying even if they jack it up a little bit fuck man it's yeah you get a lot you know, let's Jay Jace the other maniac always reminds us lest we forget the days of ninety dollar VHS tapes yes yes and of course you know if you rent stuff through like streaming services it's almost always like five bucks a rental oh yeah so you know that that, that you know, you add that up rent two movies a week that's forty bucks a month yeah you know I mean that adds up. I mean, fucking, oh, yeah. you're paying ten dollars a month for streaming, and you can watch as much as you want. Is it new stuff? No, but again, if you're a movie geek, you don't care. You don't want new stuff. Yeah. Hey, do you have the blowout blue? Yes, I do. Okay. It's kind of an ominous question. Sounds like you might be picking something soon. Well, uh, <laughs> I was going. I was going to, but more for <laughs> one of our sponsored shows. But I'm not going to do that. Do you right. have it? Um, all right. Um, want to keep with the voicemails? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I got some quick ones here, so let's get knock some of these off here. Hey, guys. It's Loaf. Uh, you were talking about uh, poor eating uh, 80s cops in movies. Um, <laughs> totally made me think of, and I can't fucking remember, or remember the name of the movie right now, but it had uh, Robert, uh, Robert Carradine and Billy D. Williams. And Robert Carradine fucking would for dinner would eat would drink a beer and eat a raw steak right out of the little styrofoam container wrapped in plastic like he would just cut the top of the plastic with his knife and start eating chunks of raw steak so that might be uh, cops before uh, wait worst eating cop in cinema history yeah there you go talk to you guys later bye good old loaf Uh, I think that's number one with a bullet that film that somebody recommended we check out a long time ago it's like a buddy cop film, Billy Dee Williams and Robert Carradine. <clears throat> Eesh. That's a uh, nice eating number. His, his ass is going to feel like it's shitting out bullets if he's eating too much raw beef. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's keep him going here. Got one from Roop. We haven't heard from Roop in a while. Hey, gents. It's Rupert. Um, just uh, listen to the latest episode. I've fallen behind a few episodes. I'm still catching up. <laughs> Work has, um, has taken a turn for the busiest I've been in. Um, many years uh, so things have been a little discombobulated um, but uh, cool listening to Rick talk about uh, Attack the Block and Drive I know Will you already talked about I think both films um, <clears throat> they are definitely um, in the running for the top two spots uh, for me this year for what it's worth uh, I think Drive is my number one currently and Attack the Block is my number two um, both fantastic films. Mm-hmm. Very, very different. I was talking to my wife after Drive. And I was like, which do you like better? And she's like, they're just so different. And I mean, that couldn't be more true. But um, people should really, those that haven't seen both, um, I would humbly request they do so. Because um, they are really, really well-made uh, films. Um, Drive, really, uh, even after all the hype, um, really knocked us over, you know, just so well made, so well acted. Um, anyway, um, just wanted to, you know, give a call, let you guys know uh, I'm listening and uh, appreciating what you're doing and saying uh, officially congratulating you guys on 150 episodes, several late, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I also appreciated the, the uh, thoughts uh Rick, from you and Miles, when you did the airport show, I mean, you know that, uh, and I appreciate the invite to be on that show. I wish I could have been. Yeah. Um, you know that I love the disaster movies, and uh, thank you for holding uh, Roller Coaster and uh, Certain Fury 
yes. for me. Um, I, uh, I refuse to do them without him. I really look forward to talking about those um, <laughs> whenever uh, we can work it out. You know, life life does get in the way, as you guys know, and uh, but I'd love to uh, be back on at some point uh, down the road Yes, um, when it works out. Um, but just to let you know, I was thinking about you guys and uh, uh, just wanted to give a call. So uh, keep it up. Okay, later. Well, sense a little bit of sadness there in Brad's voice toward the end, didn't you? Well, I would have. I, I would love to have him on. Just man, our schedules are just so opposite right now. Yeah, everything's opposite. And then Brad, <laughs> he, he's really busy lately. I do know that. And uh, yeah, everybody's schedules are opposite right now. And stuff, but we're going to get it worked out. We'll get him back on stuff. We miss him over here at the GGTMC. Mm-hmm. And I like I say, there's certain films I refuse to cover without certain friends of ours. So because we we can cover whatever we want. Like I could say, you know, let's do roller coaster next week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to hang on to that film until Bri comes around. All right, uh, you want to knock out an uh, email maybe? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Toby B. writes in. He says, good day, gents. Long-time listener. Haven't emailed in probably over a year by now, but thought I should run this one by you guys. Not sure if you're aware or not, but one of yours and mine, uh, favorite actors, Patty Constantine, has been busy writing and directing a film, Tyrannosaur, which has just been released over here. And, whoa, it's pretty intense. It stars Peter Mullen, another one of your favorites. That's a very violent man who is trying to control his rage and not let it out on people. And Olivia Colman, who's probably not familiar to many across the pond, but has a lot of TV credits here in the U.K. in comedies and dramas, as a devout Christian, caring, sweet lady who is abused by her husband, played by Eddie Marson, who is in a lot of good movies and a great talent. Mullen and Colman strike a friendship, and, well, you'll have to watch it. Mullen is typically great, but warning to any dog lovers, read the opening scene of the film. This won't be an easy one for anyone to watch, especially not a long-time dog owner like Sammy. It turned my stomach even more often in the violence and threatening behavior towards the people in the film. Patty definitely has taken has talent as a director. He's been influenced by his longtime friend and collaborator Shane Meadows, inevitably, but I think he can stand alone as a new talent, and hopefully he'll get behind the camera again because he's got such a good eye. The film has a good pace and a very realistic feel due to the acting and writing. I guess actors in the directing chair uh, are great at directing actors. That was a badly constructed sentence, but you know what I'm saying. It's got a pretty limited release here, so I don't know if it will get over there, but sure, it will do well on DVD and blue. Also, I just wanted to note that no, res- no disrespect to Brian on the Django Revenger last show. He's great every time he's on, but I felt he undersold Joe Cornish, Attack the Block, writer-director, a re his background. Joe is part of a long-standing double act called Adam and Joe, which Brian did mention, and the two of them had a TV show in the 90s, which they wrote, directed, and starred in, a comedy show including prank kind of skits and skits on pop culture. Adam was in Hot Fuzz as the reporter who had arguably the best death in the movie, and he has bit parts in a bunch of films like Son of Rambo and Stardust. Since his TV show, they've had radio shows, which rank as some of the funniest radio I've heard by a long shot. Had to cough there. <laughs> What might be the most interesting to film fans, though, regarding their TV shows, is their toy versions of movies. They did Kids, Titanic, Saving Private Ryan, Train Spotting, and a load more. With cuddly toys, look up Titanic, Saving Private Lion, etc. on YouTube, and you'll probably end up going down the Adam and Joe wormhole for a couple of hours. Oh, nice. Anyway, see Tyrannosaur when you can, and keep up the good work. Yours is the best movie podcast out there by a long way. Torb- uh, Torby. Toby and War- Worcester. Now I said Worcester. Hopefully, oh, fucking Germanic this morning. Yes. Worcester, England. Your Kinski's coming out again, eh? Yeah, that's just good. 
Here's to your papers. Here's <laughs> to your papers, Toby. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Eddie Marsden's one of those actors. He's really good, but man, he is a hideous looking human being. I, I, I have issues with his face. I like it, but it's just, uh, he just, he creeps me out, man. Yeah, I, I said to Brian last night, I bet you he's just the sweetest man in real life who likes painting and small animals, but he always plays just a a fucking Neanderthal rat bastard in films. Yeah, and he, but he's got the look for that, right? So, you know, he does. Yeah, so great character actor, though. I really do like him, but man, he just, he's got almost like this like oversized face and a small head. It's very strange. Yeah, you're right. But I really do, I do like him a lot. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to add to the Adam and... Uh, Joe stuff, but I'll look into that. But yes, uh, we do quite enjoy Tyrannosaur, if you can enjoy that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, we certainly admire it. Um, I, I think maybe Brian, like all of us, I don't think he undersold them. He really does love those guys. It's just a matter of um, sometimes when we're pressed for time, we don't, we can't bring up the, the depth and breadth of what we're talking about as, as well as we'd like to, or you know, we're just, just too busy with things that are going on in the show. All right. Our next email is from, uh, I don't know if it's Bernard or Bernard. But uh, he's over on the Facebook group quite a bit. Uh, but anyway, he sent in a uh, – he calls himself Bernie Sticky. So that's what we'll stick with here, Bernie Sticky. Uh, hey, guys, I've been listening to the show for about six months now, so I figured I should let you know how much I enjoy what you do. I really appreciate the amount of time and effort you both put in the podcast, especially with work and family, taking up the majority of your day-to-day. What really shines through in the GGTMC is your love of movies and your enthusiasm for sharing that love. More importantly, your love of mustaches, members-only jackets, Zubaz pants, and feathered hair has allowed me, and I'm sure many others, to embrace my own GGTMC tendencies. <laughs> I can finally listen to Hall & Oates with pride. Yes. Anyways, just listened to the latest episode and really dug Will, Matt, and Mike's review of Psychomania. I loved that film for years, so it's great to see it getting some coverage. Will brought up an interesting point about how the lack of grit and the violence was a minus for him, but i got to say I think that the weird, almost comedic route they uh, go is one of the things that makes the film so appealing if you're british like me and grew up in the 70s watching hokey sitcoms like me i think you can really see some of that sitcom aesthetic in the film the slapstick the middle class setting and the general air of silliness that seeps in at points tom being buried upright on his motorbike springs to mind immediately uh, i should say that's one of the most iconic images in exploitation film ever <laughs> oh yeah uh, it's like the producers of the uh, Dick Emery show somehow heard about the Wild Angels and decided to make a supernatural British version. It kind of helps that a lot of the cast are familiar faces from British TV of the 70s, too. The Dick Emery reference is dedicated to Brian from Hamicus and any other British listeners you know what I'm talking about. In fact, if you want to experience the full horror of 70s British sitcom, track down a movie called Oh, You Are Awful, uh, starring the aforementioned Dick Emery. I guarantee you'll be gouging your eyes out with a spoon after 10 minutes. Also wanted to give a shout out to all the funny, warm, and friendly people in the GGTMC Facebook group. Sammy and Will, don't you guys ever doubt for a second that there are people out there who love and appreciate what you do and the GGTMC community that you've created. Just look at all the hot Facebook action. Anyway, keep up the great work. I'll get out of here and let you guys get back to shining your white leather cowboy boots. Nice. Right. <laughs> well, mine were brown suede, but I think Bri was more of the white leather. He's got yeah. the white leather cornered in our community. <laughs> I, I go red with gold trim. <clears throat> nice, nice. Gold, yours had gold spurs too, I think, didn't they? Yes, yes. Oh, very nice. <laughs> but yeah, no, Bernie's he's he's become, a, he's become a big part of the Facebook group over there. So definitely has quite a bit. So we've had some interesting conversations. <laughs> he posted some uh, silver and gold s pictures one time on our thing, and I was like, well, you know, that that's their group. Our group's a little different. Ours is still open, I think. So I don't really want to put those on there yet. <laughs> yeah, some. Uh, <laughs> oh, hang on. And if you're a member of the Sylvan Go group, you know what I'm talking about. So, there's some. Uh, oh, my son's crying. Let me make sure my wife gets some. 
get right back into it. Uh, you want to do another email? You want to do a voicemail? Uh, we'll do an email here. I got one from Aaron. Not not the usual suspect, fellow gentleman, Aaron Duenas, the death rattler himself, but uh, Aaron H., we'll say, of backwoodshorror.com. Okay. He says, hey, fellas, I was just listening to your Johnny Bogans episode, and you'd mentioned briefly something about James Mitchum. Well, if you haven't seen these flicks, they definitely make a great moonshine James Mitchum double feature. First off, there's Thunder Road, starring Robert and James together in a moonshine run of glory. Second up is Moon Runners, the more adult precursor to the Dukes of Hazard, created by the same guy, uh, Guy Waldron. It has the two cousins, Uncle Jesse, Boss Hawk, and William Jennings as the balladeer. Seriously, fellas, this is a moonshine run and high-octane rock block of a double feature. I suggest you all check it out. Below are a few links if you want to read about them. Keep bringing that class to the trash. Aaron who is, again, at BackwoodsHorror.com. Yeah, nice. Uh, I've seen both of those films, but it's been a while. We've never done a Moonshine Run film. We should probably do one at some point. Probably we haven't with a Burt Reynolds film or something like that. So. Yeah, I've seen Thunder Road. I, I quite like it. Moon, Moon Runners, I'm aware of, but never have seen. I'll check them out at some point. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for that. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, so um, let me get another voicemail going here. Uh, let's see what we got here. Here's a blast from the past. How's this one? Here we go. Gentlemen, um, I just found out like, I've been sent from the future of the Terminator and it didn't work properly. So, fuck. I'm um, a lame-ass Terminator, but, um, so I'm stuck where I am now. I'm not happy about it because I thought my life was uh, going pretty good. You know, movies, podcasts, emus, shit like that. But it turns out that I'm a reject from the future to stop the robot apocalypse and the thing and ever wondered what happened to those people they sent back and it just didn't turn out right well now you're talking to <laughs> okay so what I've decided to do about it is um, resign myself to mediocrity and um, it makes a lot of sense now I mean the reason I haven't rung you for so long is because it didn't make any sense, but there I am. I'm a Terminator, but I've decided, because I'm a non-active, um, no particular place to go, I've fronted up nude in a shopping centre on the border of Queensland and New South Wales. Fuck me, I got the shit kicked out of me. Anyway, went to the RSL, watched a $2 version of um, Clint Eastwood movies. And um, learn the lingo. Now it's cool. So anyway, I finally latched on to you guys' podcast, and so it all makes sense. But I'm telling you, it's bullshit because in the future you can fold up these fucking iPads and fold them up and put them in your fucking back pocket, roll around, and you know, find the shit you want. And then it's pretty arcade, and we think we're right up there. But you wait. You just <laughs> fucking wait till you get to where I am. <laughs> oh, yes. Good old Scorny. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. The one, the only, Scorny. Yes. Looking forward to fold-up iPads, though. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, looking forward to those. <laughs> they could be a lot of fun. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, let's play another voicemail here. I got one from... Uh, I think, his name, I think he calls himself Bernie De La Pez on the show. Uh, hola, caballeros. Uh, this is Bernie De La Pez, a new listener out here on the left coast. So I, myself, am safely tucked in behind the orange curtain. 
I posted an iTunes uh, review the other day, but I wanted to call in and personally just to tell you guys just how jazzed I've been listening to your show for the last month or so. You know, it's like all the friends I've had over the years. I've never found anybody that shared my taste for, I guess, the, the GGTMC flavor of film. Uh, you know, lots of commonality, music, golf buddies, fantasy football friends, the occasional, you know, happy hour cocktail with the work piece, but, but nothing on the film front. I mean, nothing. Um, it's like a nightmare before Christmas is about as far field as they go. Uh, I think if they saw 15 minutes of uh, El Topo, <laughs> they'd explode. You know, and not just not just headburst scanner style, but full body style like the Fury. Uh, and probably as a consequence, yeah, at least to some degree, my film watching has really fallen off over the last decade or so. Uh, I started listening to podcasts about a year ago, um, about a handful or so that I listen to regularly, some that I really like, uh, but none that had that mix I've been craving, just that, you know, the whole spectrum of, of genre flicks, you know, alongside the Kurosawa and the Fleens. And, and to go down the list of, of the podcasts that you guys have done and just see, you know, Throne of Blood alongside Super Vixens and Miss 45 and stuff, yes. it really just kind of flipped that switch back on inside me. And I'm just, I'm really anxious to get back into to watching some films. Um, I think the way you guys uh, approach film, you know, sort of a layman's erudition or a, a kind of a working class intellectualism, if that doesn't sound too precious or contradictory. No. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, passionate but engaged the film at sort of a street level rather than looking down and inspecting it from an ivory tower. Um, and the report that you guys have, uh, you know, other people have commented on it, but it, it is. It's the powdered sugar on the jelly donut. You know, the walnuts on the cinnamon roll is what really kind of ties it all together. Uh, you guys convey not only your affection for these films, but for each other. And this little community that you seem to have helped build um, over the years, I guess. And it's a real joy to feel part of that for a few hours. So... Uh, looking forward to many more podcasts, both new and old, and uh, best to you both. Adios. Nice. Thanks for all the kind words. We appreciate that. Very much so. And I didn't, I remember hearing that voice bubble when we first got it. Really nice one. I didn't put two and two together. That was Bernie on the boards, or on the, as I say, boards now, but the Facebook page. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he has some really good things to say, and I think he kind of knows what I bumbled through earlier about the French film stuff. I know I like French film as much as anyone, but. Certainly I do, but uh, <clears throat> it's that, that film criticism from the ivory tower that I think both of us loathe. Yes. Well, like I always so. say, you know, I think that Stone Cold, for me, personally, is as important as Citizen Kane. <laughs> so, I mean, I, that, that's just me. <laughs> I wouldn't go quite that far, but I certainly wouldn't call you insane for saying it because Stone Cold is a masterpiece in it its is. own right. Yes. <laughs> Instead of rosebuds, we get eaten our food if we want to be studs. <laughs> yes. Eating our grub if we want to be studs, I should yeah. say. Rosebuds and studs, bro. Rosebuds and studs. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. So, you want to do another voicemail? What do you want to do here? Um, yeah. How many do we got? Do we have any idea where we're at? Uh, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, six, seven, eighteen more. I don't think we're going to get through everything today. No. I'm trying to get the, oh, I'm trying to get goodness. the shortest ones done as possible. Lot of mercy. Uh, okay, let's do it. Why don't we at least clean our email slate? You want to try to do that? Let's clear it off. Okay, so we, Alan, we, yeah, good friend go. from Dan- Denmark. Wow. Denmark. That's good. Thanks, Will. Uh, hola, amigos. Title is J and B, but in parenthetically it's Ava, so J and Bava. Hola, amigos. Chiming in on your defense regarding Bava. You'll get no hate from me with your views on Black Sabbath or Bava. I'm pretty much in the same boat as especially Will. I guess in that I appreciate Bava, but I never really liked his movies as much as I would like to. Can't really explain why, since his movies should be right up my alley. They're good, not nice, but not masterpieces like many consider them to be. 
that's for GMB settings. I can't remember if I brought it up some time ago on Facebook. I watched Caddyshack for the first time ever this year, and JMB is featured quite prominently in it. Yes. <laughs> My memory serves me right. It's what Chevy Chase is pouring into the glasses in one scene. <laughs> I like the J&B spotting in non-Italian movies. I always assume it's a tribute to the Italians. <laughs> well, I think you should get one of those on-the-air or recording signs they have at radio stations, at least in the movies, to put in the car so you don't have to get the unplanned <laughs> guest appearances, even though they are pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know how you manage it, but keep cranking out the episodes, and I'll keep on listening. Adios, Al. Yeah, we haven't had a guest uh, spot from your mom or a uh, <clears throat> random cousin or friend lately <laughs> yeah i know it's because i'm not i'm not recording near the uh the smith household in, in the city i'm in uh, the suburbs yes. so i don't have any many intruders um you want me to do another one since i'm on a roll here uh yeah yeah if you want to black sabbath is the title from tom of cinema gonzo he says I do think the movie works better in its original version with the drop of water story last. Also, if you want to see more of Michelle Mercier, I think you know what I mean. Check out Chufo's Shoot the Piano Player. She's, <laughs> yes, which I've been meaning to see forever, man. Yeah. Uh, she's maybe in my top ten, and she shows off her top twos in that movie. <laughs> what? You no, know, maybe I just had a website like Mr. Skin before the pretentious. Maybe call it Monsieur Risque or something. Just a thought. <laughs> Yes, the earliest talking ventriloquist dummy movie that I know of is The Great Gabo, 1929, although it's not really a horror movie. Usually Dead of Night, 1945, is credited with being the first movie to have an evil ventriloquist dummy story, a plot that has been repeated many times since with Magic and The Twilight Zone and Devil Doll, etc. Thomas Duke. Yes. And ventriloquist dummies just creep me out anyway. Yes. Creep me out. <clears throat> yes, they do. I'm going to have to check out her top twos. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, I'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep going. I'll read one here. Here's another one from Thomas. He says, uh, FYI, I've seen two naughty Bigfoot movies. The softcore version of The Geek, which some camper with where some campers come upon Bigfoot and he rapes one of the girls. Uh, I think something weird has the hardcore version of this, which runs 50 minutes. And then there's Beauties and the Beast, 1974, a very stupid and very awesome softcore flick where Bigfoot captures hippie girls staying at a cabin, including Ushi Dugard. Nice. There are also other naughty ape movies like Monster at Camp Sunshine, La Bette, and Tanya's, Tanya's Island where Vandy boinks an ape on an island. Which you uh, like. Yes. <laughs> All of those might be covered at some point. I'm also a big fan of Spookies. And I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one. <laughs> And then he's one that asked me if we were just covering voicemails from now on. I said, no, we're still covering emails. But, yeah, so there you go. Thanks, Thomas. Appreciate it. Cinema Gonzo. Uh, that's, that's, that's a blog, right? Correct? Yes. Yeah, man. Labette. I've been wanting to get Labette on the show at some point for a while now, so we'll, we'll try to get that in there. <laughs> Excellent. Try to get Labette. Are you still looking for that? Because if so, I can read the next email. Uh, I found it, and now <laughs> I'm dropping my Labette so I can Dropping the beast. This. Man, the old hog's coming out uh, on air. Well, we got uh, one from Keith at TeleportCity.com. He says, thoroughly enjoyed the erotic adventures of Bigfoot, and I'm happy to be able to write a sentence like that. As a reveler in the glorious sleaze festering in the back alleys of the world, it would be irresponsible of me not to steer you toward a movie called The Geek, which fulfills the world's need for hardcore triple X Bigfoot movie that, since it was made in the 70s, features human crotches that are substantially hairier even than the Sasquatch. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> The plot of the film is, of course, exceedingly complex. A group of young people go out for a sexy picnic, and eventually Bigfoot, who appears to be wearing trousers, wanders down to get in on the action, which I guess is a better deal than he got in most of those grainy fall documentaries about Bigfoot, where all he ever got to do was lumber down out of the woods and shake a trailer home full of rednecks while doing that Bigfoot <laughs> owl. <laughs> 
As I grew up out in the middle of the wood in farmland in the 70s and mounted many a Bigfoot expedition without getting mounted by Bigfoot myself, Sasquatch has always been one of my favorite monsters, so I'm happy to see him get a little play every now and then to keep the Telford City. Nice. I've never seen the geek, but any Bigfoot that wears trousers, I'm down for. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We got, literally, we have one more email. And I don't, I don't know if this is even spam. I don't know. This Lou, is this the one? I'm weird? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird one. I don't know if it's spam or not. I'll read it anyway. The title is I'm Weird from Lou C. Hi, guys. Great blog. My question is, do you know of an extremely low-budget director who works with VHS? Thanks, Louis. Uh, Lou, if you are a listener to the show, uh, perhaps, you know, maybe uh, we don't know if that's spam or not. We can't tell. So. Yeah, considering he never really mentions a show, he just has great blogs. So um, if you're a listener, prove it, and then we will do our best to dig up any low-budget directors that work with VHS for you. But you got to earn your motherfucking stripes. It's got to earn the stripes. Literally, that is all the email. So let's squeeze out some more voicemails while we get some time here. Feels good to get that email clear. That's the lowest I've oh, seen our yeah. email box in forever. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Nick. Uh, yeah, man, I thought the review last week on Drive was really cool. And... Uh, He's yeah, talking about the, the Casco film. film. I'm happy to hear you guys give the movie props and give uh, Steve Wang props. Uh, I think he's really underrated. I mean, a lot of people don't know, besides making low-budget movies, he doesn't make too many. Uh, he did the, the special effects. He did the makeup on the original Predator and the Merman and Monster Squad and, like, countless other things, man. The guy is crazy talented. And uh, I don't think he's directed anything in a while. He did a children's show called Common Rider a couple of years ago, and it didn't really last long, unfortunately. But the guy, man, for no budget, man, does some kick-ass action choreography. I was really happy you guys gave him props for his action in his films. And there's a movie he did called The Giver 2, which once in a while pops up on cable. It's a little overlong. It's two hours. But if you guys can catch or your listeners can catch the last 15 minutes of that movie, there's a really good boss battle. And these guys are in fucking rubber suits and shit, man, doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. I don't know, man. Just a big fan of his. I'll have you guys gave him props. And uh, going back to the the hell speech, you guys, you know, you guys talk about Ringo Lamb and Van Damme. I'm not the big. I am a Van Damme fan, but I'm not the biggest fan when he teams up with Ringo Lamb. Uh, I wasn't crazy about Replicant. Maximum Risk, I... I do like because it was like now she's my wife, but it was our first date was going to see that movie in the theaters. And <laughs> realized my wife's a big Van Damme fan and she still is. So I mean, I, nice. that, that movie is kind of personal to me. But besides that, uh, I, I think I'm more of a fan when Van Damme teams up with Suey Hark. I mean, they're not great films, but I think they're just fucking pure madness put on film. Man, like Knock Off is. I know it's terrible, but it's just fucking crazy <laughs> and yeah. fun. And of course, Double Team. I mean, I think Gandalf wrote that shit, man, because it's, it's it's just so bad, but it's magic, you know? It's like the ending, it's fucking, he fights Mickey Rock in a coliseum filled with landmines, and for the fuck of it, there's a tiger running around. Like, it's just fucking magic, man. That's art. It's beyond that. It's just art. It's beautiful. Anyway, man, Awesome. Great show. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only Forrest, back of Forrest Wicker's neck. Always a unique perspective from that guy. Oh, I've, yeah. I've been talking to him on the phone quite a bit over the last few months, and uh, you know, because he's trying to get on the show and stuff, but he's been very busy because he works in the film industry too. And um, 
He's got some other things going on, including one big thing going on. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we just haven't had a chance to – We haven't. our schedules haven't mixed yet, but we're going to get him on at some point in time because he does have a unique perspective on action movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe nobody has a more unique perspective on action films than the back of Forrest Whitaker's neck, so – <laughs> All right, how much yeah, time? I can't wait to get a word, Yeah, how much more time do you have? Like ten minutes. All right, let's see how many more we can squeeze out in ten. I mean, I'm looking for a time frame here because I want to get as many done number wise as possible, so we have less to get into. Hey guys, it's the Cinemascus Justin Roberts here calling in to comment on that very special episode of GGTMC. Uh, where Night of the Running, Running Man was viewed. I just want to say I thought uh, Piccolo, Bryn, and James McCormick were fantastic in that. But I gotta say that other guy, that like Jason fellow, whatever, Justin, Jason, whatever his name was, I kind of thought he was an asshole. You know, I don't know. Just something about something about that guy just didn't click for me. You know, I don't want to call out the community, but yeah, I kind of thought that guy was an asshole. Right, in all seriousness, I just want to say you guys are doing a great job. I do want to comment before I forget on uh, Green Lantern. Uh, since I actually just watched it afterwards. I thought it was good. Um, not great or anything, but I thought it was enjoyable. I will say, I think me and Sam are going to get an endless battle because I knew he was going to say it. I personally prefer Thor. I honestly actually loved Thor. I thought the stuff on Asgard was entertaining. and even thought the comedy bits worked well on Earth. So I can definitely see where maybe people didn't like maybe Natalie Portman because she seemed to be throwing in her performance a tad bit, but I still liked her in the role. And I don't know, I just had a lot of fun with Thor and just thought the set pieces worked. I love the character of Loki, and I'm glad they seem to be using him again in the Avengers movie. But hey, different strikes for different folks. Uh, I'd say Thor is better, but I enjoyed it. And I do recommend, I know, Sam, I can understand why. I know you guys are getting a little, uh, I guess, tired of these superhero movies, but I do think both of you, especially Sam, I think you'll both really enjoy Captain America. I thought that one was a solid film, too. So I'm sure that's on your to watch list, but. For me to you guys, I'm saying that one, actually, if you had the free time, if you got to get a copy, bleh, uh, definitely check it out. <laughs> and as always, keep up the good work, and hey, I have no problem when you guys keep a project. We have no problem, at least I don't, with the Frankenstein that says. As long as you get them out, we understand, you know, your time shifts, and just taking time out of your day to do this for us anyway is a positive. So I think you guys have been doing a hell of a job, and keep it on up. Nice. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. I should mention that, I don't know if I ever mentioned on the thing, but Justin was on the show. He did one of the backup reviews right before he we went to Whorehound this week year. Yeah, he did. He stepped in. Yeah, stepped in for us and stuff. So. <clears throat> been aroundabouts. But, yeah, I, I am a little tired of the comic book films. I still see them because I'm a comic book geek from way back. But, uh, yeah, man, just not a fan of Thor. You know it's, it's going to be the breaker here. It's just going to be the breaker. We're going to need you to watch Thor. <clears throat> <laughs> you don't have to hurry to it. I wouldn't say okay. it's a crammer. <laughs> Okay. Matter of fact, I would definitely not say it's a crammer, but uh, uh, at some point, it's going to have to settle it, like the Hulk, uh, like the Hulk conversation with Emily and Tom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I will then. I just won't cram it, but no, I will. That's cool. Come upon it sometime, you know. Just, you know. All right. Uh, here's one from uh, Scott in Toronto. It's a couple, about a minute long here. Hey guys, it's Scott calling. Listen, I was uh, listening to you guys chat about um, Super Eight and the impact it has on you when you're a dad. Now, uh, last summer I had a couple of uh, nights of born-again bachelorhood, and uh, back-to-back I caught the Super 8 one day and then the Tree of Life the next, and both just just knocked the crap out of me as a dad. Um, just uh, terrible, and I just had no family at home when I got home. Uh, so I was just like an emotional, emotional wreck. Uh, so I totally agree with you there. So I'm both on the big screen, which is great because I don't get out that much. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tree of Life worked great on the big screen. And Will mentioned uh, seeing Cave of Forgotten Dreams. 
I got to say, I saw that that same stretch when uh, the family was away and I was on my own. I think this is like why 3D was made. It worked very well, just kind of wandering through the caves, uh, getting the contours of everything, the way that the light wrapped around uh, the stalagmites and stalactites. The art really popped off the walls of the caves. Uh, I agree, like, as a documentary, I don't know, but as an experiment in... 3D technology. I think this is the kind of uh, stuff 3D should be used for. So uh, that's it. Uh, great to see you back in uh, the saddle together again, sharing the saddle. Sharing and it, uh, yeah. looking forward to it. Have a very <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, Great New Year's. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. The question is, which of us is riding on the back of the saddle? <laughs> Depends on the day, I guess. <laughs> Depends on the day and the lotion. That's right, man. <laughs> Yes, that would be a GGTMC Western right there. Large William and Samurai. We, every, every time we ride into, we'd be on the same horse. What's wrong and, and then, that's right, man. It would be like live like a cop, not like a man, except on horseback. Like, what's up with those two guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Um, how much time you got? You got time for any more? Uh, maybe one more. <laughs> one more. Let me find. Let me. Find. I got five from Zom, but uh, unfortunately, a Zom show, man. Yeah, unfortunately, the five from Zom all add up to about 40 minutes. <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to find one we can just squeeze in here. Oh, here's one from, uh, let's see, that one's from Justin. Justin. Justin does a pretty good job staying in them. Let's do this one from Metal Mikey here. And now for your entertainment, some musical interpretations. <clears throat> oh, boy. If I need it in the morning or the middle of the night, the GTG GTMC, yeah. When Rick and Willard are strong and they got it going on in the GGTMC, yeah. Tough tits with some silver spaghetti set, well, whiskey biscuits, the GGTMC, yeah. For my genre loves the gentlemen on the ticket, the GGT, the GGTMC. Oh, on the middle, my D tip. Oh, yeah. And on a tip for my Pope's nose as well. Figured, don't you? GGGMC, you know, I haven't really said a lot. Even with the Frankenstein episodes, you boys. Oh, and I'm going to borrow a page from the legendary Silver and Gold podcast. I'm going to let some Dusty Rose take over. And baby, baby, the GGGMC is still the king, the undisputed king of genre podcasting. If you know what I'm talking about, Sam and Rick and the other assorted people that have been chivering, chipping in to the Frankenstein episode. You know, Metal Mike nice. loves you all. I could just give you all like a big old hug and uh, I don't know, what, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very late. and Well, not too late, but I'm just really tired today. But figured give you a little bit of fun. So y'all take it easy. Keep up the excellent show. Most excellent show. And I will talk to you again later, right? Peace out, boys. Bye. <laughs> Sweet. The metal one himself. <clears throat> that good old Mikey coming with uh, the uh, the dulcet tones. Yes. Making Zom look like a biatch. Yeah. <laughs> so that saves us with, we'll finish up. We still have, so I got 14 voicemails, so we'll have to get through those as we go. Uh, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll try to squeeze some in next show or something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we will for sure, for sure. But, you know, an hour and 45 minutes of feedback, that's a pretty long show. 
No, it is, man. It is, and and yeah, it was good to get through it. It was nice to hear some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We 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 listen to everything, guys. Uh, we might not get to it on the air all the time, but keep sending it in. We listen to everything, and we know that you're out there, and we know that you're listening, and, and we will get to it. Like I said, we're trying to set up a new frame where we do two films three weeks of the month, and then one film one week of the month, and then feedback so we can kind of knock it out. And we'll try to knock out feedback as we go if we do, you know, like a short show. Because we get about we, – we're roughly around the – we don't do the two-hour, 45-minute shows anymore. seems like more now we're more a two-hour show. So that's just the world we live in now, and that's just the way it's going to have to be. So – that's the that's the that's what that's what we do. That's who we are. Pleasantries, Large William. Uh, what are we doing next week? Do we want to, do we want to talk about that? I don't know. Uh, are we doing uh, we're we doing an obligation show. Something we've promised. I, I was looking. I was looking into that actually. I was just trying to find a program for Japan, possibly. Yeah, or we can do one. We pick. If we want to pick one, I'm picking something. I got something picked. I'm ready. Because do. it's something recent, and I know we both have it. And uh, I'm dying to see it now because of a trailer that was posted. Okay, I'm happy to do that, and then if I can just uh, show our hands, as it were, uh, can we then maybe pump off two or three programs for Japan? Because I think we only have about two or three left. Yeah, we can pump off a couple, definitely the week after next, and then we'll uh, also, uh, we get the Diabolic Show. Yeah, we'll get them, we'll get them done. So, okay, so then let's just say now we'll pick one this week, uh, then we'll do two weeks of program for Japan, and then probably Diabolic, and then see where we land? Yep. Okay, so um, I'm going to let you talk for a moment while I pick because my pants are clearly down, uh, and I don't know what I'm going to pick <laughs> for this week. All right, uh, I'll try to do some pleasantries here. I'll say I won't. I don't have the blogs on in front of me and stuff, but I'll say definitely check oh, out. <laughs> do you want me to do the pleasantries then? Sorry, I didn't know if you were going to talk about what you wanted to pick next week before we do pleasantries. No, no, I can do that. I can do that right now. Okay. As you can see, guys, we've been podcasting for 165 episodes. We got this down. <laughs> Well-oiled machine we are. Um, okay, uh, my pick next week because we stumbled upon it and because I love when we stumble upon something, although I hope this lives up to our stumble upon, uh, we did, uh, is a 1990s Street Hunter with uh, Steve James and Red Brown. Very nice. I've never, se- I've never yeah. seen it, and I have to see it. Now, since we've stumbled upon it, people have posted the trailer and shit, I have to see it. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> so that is my pick. It should be fun. I don't even remember who the director is, but really, does it matter? I say no. <laughs> um, where are we here? It's got Red Brown in full screaming glory. It's got Steve James, like he just came out from backstage and beaten uh, the Eagles with a duster and a fedora and a Doberman pincher. It's going to be awesome, man. That is incredible. And John Leguizamo, the master check casher himself. <laughs> oh, big time. Where the fuck is this thing? Let's see here. I'm just looking for my list. That's your list. Should be said, directed by John Gallagher, who has not directed much that we know of. No, when he's not the watermelon smasher either. No, he's not. He's not. Uh, <laughs> fuck, man. I'm trying to find... Uh, Put you on the spot today, this week, bro. Oh, boy, because I had... I, I'm trying to find the list because we have a few different roadmaps in here, right? And it's like... Yeah, we got a thousand roadmaps. <laughs> Jesus, where the hell is this thing? Give me one more moment here. You know what? I'm going <clears> to... <throat> I'm going to uh, do pleasantries. No, I can't do that first. <laughs> Oh, the pressure is just too much to bear. Um, I'm going to say, why don't we do... 
Is there anything on my original? This is going to be intense. This, the, even I'm uh, at this point. I'm chomping at the bit. I mean, I don't know what we're going to watch next week. Yeah, that is not it. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I got to make a pick in uh, ten, <laughs> nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six. The countdown. Five, four, three. Two, one. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay, why don't we go with? Um, uh, I lied. I didn't even keep to my own count. Yes. Okay, fuck it. We're gonna go with. Um, oh, I know. I can't remember the fucking name of it. This is the. This has got to be the worst fucking podcasting in the history of cinema. Yes. Okay, fuck. Yes. In the history of cinema, I love it. Fuck it. Uh, we're going to go with the... We're going to go with the German film. Fuck this. We're going to go with the German film called Macho Man that I love. It's oh, an action sweet. film. Sweet. It's, it's ridiculous. The outfit that the lead, the titular Macho Man wears with a jean, uh, one-piece jumpsuit and tucked into cowboy boots is incredible. This sounds like a very GGTMC episode next week. It is. It absolutely is. And I know our, our good friends over at... Um, <clears throat> Um, oh wow our good friends over at uh, Camera Obscura quite love this film so sweet yeah we still got a couple Camera Obscuras we need to cover too so we need to get to those yeah true I got some stuff I want to cover from Martin still and some CDB stuff yeah so we gotta get to that stuff too but hey this is the life of a podcaster again like I say every morning there are worse fates than being tired there are worse fates than having all these great friends that supply films for us and want to talk films so all right, pleasantries. Let's let's get through this one. There. Let's do this. Yes. Uh, okay. Check out our sister shows: Silver and Gold Show Show OTC. All of our friends from Palaver.com. Check out Hammockus and Awesome Paleo Cinema. Married with Clickers, Action Attraction, Better in the Dark, uh, V Cinema, the podcast about honor and humanity, Criterion Cast, the Projection Booth, and shows from the Skeleton Closet. Um, check out paracinema.net, nightmaretheater.blib.tv, weareyoungmonster.com, teleport-city.com, and all these are all blogs, which are .blogspot.com. Uh, the GGTMC, of course, Rupert Pupkin Speaks, Deadly Dolls House, Chuck Norris Ate My Baby, Fist of B-List, Playground of Doom, Scared Shiftless and Shasta, Moon in the Gutter, Wax Mask, and then we have, of course, the mighty Aaron's deathrattle.net, TheLightningBugsLayer.com, CinemaSatori.wordpress.com, and then we have our sponsors, DiabolicTVD.com, pr- uh, promo code, I think it's Midnight10, it's M-I-D-N-I-T-E-10, uh, then we have Cinema-DE-Bazaar, for all your hard-to-find genre needs, promo code Gentleman for 10% off your orders, OMG-Entertainment.com, uh, GGTMC10 for 10% off your orders, and again, the Mighty Camera Obscura. As well, we have a Facebook page, which we which has just been kicking, as always, lately. So we have that. We have Twitter, which is .com, backslash GGTMC, Large William, Bob Freelander, Pickle of 10, um, uh, Uncool Cat. And wasn't Aaron's... I thought I put his uh, Twitter in there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Aaron, email us with your Twitter, please, man. Just email it, and I'm going to add it to the roll as soon as I see it. Uh, then we have a donate button and iTunes, of course. So, um, yeah, that's that. And, uh, yeah, Macho Man and Street Hunter next week. Um, it's going to be fun. I hope you enjoy Macho Man. I've been waiting to drop it on you for quite some time. And a little more Steve James uh, on the boomerang tip, yo. 
Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm trying to look and see if I can find. I know I saw Aaron somewhere. Yeah, it's like Death Rattle AD or AD thirteen or. I don't know. We we are we are a podcasting disaster right now. So. We are. <laughs> We're a mess. All right. Uh, okay. So yeah, that is the big show, and uh, look forward to next week and the GGTMCS coverage. With all that, I'll say adios. Adios. Ah!